Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. I want to get into the message this morning because all week long, I've been thinking about something that Pastor Gabe said last Sunday. We had uh, Gabe Valenzuela, one of the senior leaders of Bethel Church in Redding, California, and he, he spoke with such love and such humor and such compassion. And, and there was, at the end of his message, he was talking about Genesis chapter 22, when God speaks to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And immediately, Abraham was like, yes, Lord. And he immediately responded and packed up to, to take his son to be sacrificed. That God spoke and asked him to do the most impossible thing he could ever imagine. And Abraham was immediately like, yes, Lord, whatever you want. I wish that we all had that kind of a obedience to God, even when he asks us to do difficult things, yes, Lord, and we respond. And the, 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 the crazy thing is, I want to remind you, and Gabe didn't really get into this, Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 80 years old. Sarah was past the time of childbearing. It was impossible for her to have a kid. So for them to even have Isaac in their old age was a miracle of God. And it was their, 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 their beloved son. And God said, yeah, I want you to take your beloved son of your old age and sacrifice him on an altar. That Abraham would be willing to give up his very most prized boy. But then again, Gabe also pointed out that he probably wasn't a boy. He was probably 18 to 20 years old is what biblical historians think. And Abraham's 120 years old. So here you have this decrepit, ancient old man, and he's like, come on, young man, I'm going to kill you. And Isaac was like, yes, sir. Isaac didn't have the word of the Lord, Abraham did, and he trusted his father even unto death. Isaac was willing to lay down on the wood and be bound. And, a lot, and we're, next week, we're going to celebrate Jesus, but Jesus was willing to lay his life down on the wooden cross for us. There's something very powerful about us humbling ourselves before God and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. Whatever you want to do. And then at the end of Gabe's message, what a powerful, powerful altar call. So many people, young and old, responding and saying, yes, Lord, I am going to respond to you. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Not my will, but your will be done. So I just want to give you a little one-week follow-up. How are we doing on that? Those of you that whether you responded to the altar call or not, you felt God speaking to your heart that there was a response for you. There was a yes that you needed to say. Have you started moving in the direction that God asked you to move? Or did you just say, yes, Lord, and you had a moment, and then that was it? Because I would encourage you to continue to move in that direction. Now, I did have one young man last week that said, Pastor, I feel like God's called me to go to Bible college. And I said, yes, I agree, and amen. And then three days later, I got a request for a reference for Bible college. Not only did he feel the call of God, he responded and said yes. I love when we not just say yes, but then we respond. So what I would encourage you to do is if you haven't told anybody what your yes is, get accountability. You know, talk to your spouse, talk to somebody in your small group and say, listen, I feel this is what God is asking me to do and I'm gonna take a big scary leap and, and, and say yes to what God's asking me to do. But by, by telling somebody, you have some accountability so that you're responding to, the, to, to God and being obedient to what he's asked you to do. 
Paul put it this way to the church in Rome. He said, I appeal to you, brothers. I, basically, he said, I'm begging y'all, by the mercies of God, present your body, what? As a living sacrifice. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Listen to this. It is your spiritual worship. Sometimes we think that singing songs is spiritual worship, and it is. But willingly laying down our lives as a sacrifice, that's spiritual worship. See, we don't do animal sacrifice anymore because it's illegal and that's, we don't need to do that. But in the ancient world, people were still frequently sacrificing bull and sheep and goats and doves. Like this was a common thing back in the old day would be to kill an animal, pour out its blood as a sacrifice to either the God of Israel or all of the demon, pagan, idolatrous gods that were in the world. It was common to kill something as an act of worship. But what Paul was telling the church in Rome and in the church in Eulis, I want you to daily sacrifice yourself. Every day, I want you to lay down your life, lay down your body, I mean, not physically, but that you lay yourself down. And if you do, it's spiritual worship. And it's, it's, it's like, I don't need to get anything from the kingdom of God. I just want to give back to the kingdom of God. I want to give you worship. I want to give you my time. I want to give you the talent and return it to you. The, the mission of our church is to know God, grow strong, and then do what we're called to do. Not just sit on our blessed assurance and watch other people do, but that we would not just know God, we would grow strong in our faith, and then we would do what we're created to do. So going back to Isaac, Abraham's like, all right, boy, I'm going to tie you up on this wood, and then if the Lord doesn't provide, I'm going to kill you as a sacrifice to the Lord. And Isaac was like, yes, sir, I choose to be a living sacrifice. I choose to lay down my life for you. This is actually a sign of great maturity. Because if you think about it, like when you have a baby, you know, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have a grandson, and I will call him grandbuddy, and he will be my, my, my just favoritest grandson ever until my next one is born. When a baby is born, they contribute nothing to the family they only take. I mean, other than being cute. But they, they don't help pay the mortgage. They don't help buy groceries. They don't help change their own diapers. Babies just are selfish, and, be, and they'll just take, 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 take. But a sign of great maturity is, hey, I'm willing to lay myself down for the family. And that's what Isaac was willing to do. The same thing is true in the church. A baby Christian, when they're new to their walk with Jesus, hey, they're just trying to stay saved and stop sinning and learn about the Bible and learn about God. Take, 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 take. But there should be a time in our spiritual walk where we mature and we're like, hey, it's not about what I can get out. What can I give back into the kingdom of God? How can I serve the church? How can I be a part? Why? Because it's an act of worship. How can we lay our lives down as an usher? How can I worship God by serving on a tech team? How can I worship God by serving on welcome, by serving on kids? And the parking lot, if you're a part of the parking lot team and you just recently joined when the weather is good, congratulations. But August is coming and it's gonna be 105 degrees out there. It is an act of worship when you help park cars in 105 degrees and I tip my hat to you. <laughs> We have an expression here at our church that we teach in our growth track. By the way, if you're new to our church, growth track is how we take you from visitor to member, from, from outsider to insider. Growth track is where we give you our playbook and, and we, we read you in about knowing God, growing strong, and doing what you're called to do. And one of the expressions we teach you in growth track 
is that saved people serve people. Oh, I love that you knew that and said that. Saved people serve people. It's our job. It's our responsibility. God saved us from sin. God saved us from death. So the, our response to God is, how can I serve you? There's another expression that we use around here that, that is, it's, it's just different. And I, want, I don't want you to just know it. I want you to believe it. And that is that every member is a minister. You are a minister of the gospel. You are the evangelist to your grocery store. You are the Bible teacher at, at your lunch break. You, you are the person who's going to pray and prophesy and, and, and pray healing over people in your family reunion because you are the minister of the gospel wherever you go and wherever you live. In fact, our job as pastors of this church isn't to do the ministry. Our job is to teach you how to do the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul told the church in Ephesus that God gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I, I just leave that verse up for a second because it says that God gave leaders in the church. Basically, I am God's gift to you. <laughs> to teach you how to be a minister of the gospel. The church works best when the pastors are not the most effective ministers. The church works best when we're your cheerleaders and we're your teachers and we're encouraging you so that you are the ones that minister the gospel wherever you go. That's how church is supposed to work. That's how we're supposed to make an impact in our city is when everybody, all young, old, teenagers, children, even middle-aged people are allowed to minister the gospel wherever they go. A few weeks ago, our church took a, a work trip to the nation of Israel in the Middle East to help uh, to, to begin a process of revitalizing an old rundown ministry center that we have all the vision and hope in the future for. And we took a small team, and this is a photo of that team um, overlooking Jerusalem one night. In fact, this was Sunday night. During church, you guys were having church Sunday morning, and I texted this picture to Lene, our executive pastor, um, because I'm like, hey, you guys are doing church. This is what we're doing. We went into town and had dinner uh, after a long day of work and uh, had an overlook into the city. Um, by the way, if you'd like to go back to Israel, you could sign up for our Israel tour in November, and we'll show you all of this. So, yeah, I'd be really excited to have you join us for a full tour of Israel, not just one day. Um, but there was something unique about this team because I, I've been doing world missions for, you can put the picture back up, guys. I've been doing world missions for, since 1987. Some of you were like, dang, how old is this guy? Really, really old. <laughs> My first missions trip was in Costa Rica. No, no, 88, 88. First mission trip was in Costa Rica, 1988. And um, I've, I've been able to minister the gospel in more than 40 nations. And I've worked with short-term missionaries, thousands of short-term missionaries. This team was a little bit different than any I've ever seen before. Because this, we went over to work, and we would get up early, and we would stay up late working on this property. And we, we, there was blood, literal blood. There was much, much, much literal sweat and just a little bit of tears. But the tears were not in pain the tears were in joy. I need to tell you the story of Cindy Gleghorn. Cindy's the girl on the left in the pink shirt there. Uh, Tony and Cindy uh, were a part of our church for many years and joined the trip. And um, 
I've never seen an attitude like Cindy. And when I say attitude, I don't mean like that. I mean, now please don't misunderstand me. Everybody had an amazing attitude. Everybody had the normal, really good attitude. Cindy's was different. It was just different. Because every time I saw her, she was literally like sitting in muck and, and, and scraping in the windows because all the windows needed to be recocked because they were leaking. And she's got sweat dripping down her face and mud all up in her hands and, and, and just crud on her knees. And one time after two or three days of this, and, and one day it was pretty hot, she looks at me and she's crying. And I'm like, Cindy, what's, are you okay? And she wipes her tears and she wipes her sweat. And she says, Pastor Brad, I just really need to thank you for allowing me to come and do this work. It means so much to me that I get to serve. Her attitude was unbelievable. She wanted to work harder, sweat more, get up earlier, stay up later, and do more. So much so that I announced to you a few weeks ago that we're taking a team and returning to Israel and, and, and finishing another giant project. And we're taking a team of of eight, and she texted me this week, and she said, how's it, how's it looking for Israel in June? I said, looks good, we got a team of eight. And, um, and then she said this, wouldn't it be great if there was somebody that could prepare the meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, so you guys wouldn't have to worry about it, you could just work, 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 stop, eat, work, work, work? I'm like, that'd be amazing. Know anybody? She signed up, took another week off of work, and is going to Israel to complete our team so she can cook three meals a day with that attitude. I was impressed with her attitude. I was impressed with her passion and drive to serve the Lord. I was impressed with her desire to, to, by the way, we're not paying these people. We're not paying Cindy to fly to Israel. She's paying us to do it. She's taking off another week's vacation. She's going to be crying as she's cooking dinners because she's so grateful to serve. Blood, sweat, and tears. Which is funny because Cindy's my age. She's 40-something. When I talk to young people today, I'm just being super polite because I don't know exactly how old Cindy is, but she's 40-something. When I talk to young people today, 20-something-year-olds, I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? They're like, oh, I'm just so tired. <laughs> oh, you've talked to young people too, right? <laughs> Anybody like under 30, how you doing? I'm tired. I'm just being honest. When I was in my 20s, I, I don't think I ever said I was tired. Like, I don't remember that expression. And I don't remember any other young person saying, like, I don't remember a bunch of us moping around and being like, I'm so tired. <laughs> Maybe something about the 90s, we weren't tired back then. But, like, 30 years ago, people didn't get tired, apparently, as much as they do today. Now, I will also say this about self-fulfilling prophecy. If you always say you're tired, and you're always tired, I can prove to you that your words are powerful and you are prophesying your destiny for tomorrow. Amen. Old people love that. Amen. Young people are like, I was too tired to clap. <laughs> you were created in the image of God. God is a creator. He speaks and things happen. The Bible says that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. 
So if you're tired all the time, stop saying you're tired all the time. How are you doing? I'm great. New parents of newborn babies, you're excluded. You're allowed to be tired. I remember those days, and I'm so excited about grandbaby because sometime in the evening I can give this child to my young kids, and they can stay up all night. I will be sleeping very well. So if you've got young infant children, you're allowed to be tired. So we have this expression, save people, serve people. And I found a Bible verse as to why Cindy had such a great attitude on this trip. Colossians chapter 3. She was working willingly at whatever she did. She was working as though she was working for the Lord, not for people. She remembered that the Lord was giving her an inheritance and a reward because she was serving the master, Jesus Christ. There's something really, really powerful when we willingly lay our lives down as a living sacrifice and we realize that saved people serve people and that no matter what we do, we're not doing it for people, we're doing it for Jesus. Every time we sign up to serve as an usher, every time we sign up to serve in kids' church, every time we sign up to serve in the parking lot, we're serving and doing it for Jesus. Every time you lead a you group, every time you go on a missions trip, you're doing it for Jesus. I don't know if you guys noticed last Sunday, we didn't make a big deal about it, but we had porta potties outside in the parking lot because our toilets completely backed up and clogged up. And we have been having trouble for a few months, but this time, like, it, there was a complete and total backup. On Saturday afternoon, Brett Beck came up here with a small uh, toilet uh, snake and couldn't get the budge to move. So he went and he got a bigger one. And he went and he tried to get the thing to move. And finally he went to Home Depot and he rented, you know those ones that you have to like beep, beep, beep. And you push this giant snake down the line and it still wouldn't clear. So we hired some plumbers and they cleared it out this week. But you know what Brent did for two or three hours last Saturday afternoon? He's in here at the church with his arms deep in our sewage. And I saw him at the end sweat and I don't know what dripping off of his head. He was smiling. And he's like, oh, oh, well, I gave it a shot. We'll have to call the plumbers, but thank God we got the porta potties on the way. <laughs> the dude was literally smiling after two or three hours of messing with your poop. <laughs> Why? He wasn't doing it for you, he was doing it for Jesus. There is a reward, there is an inheritance in heaven for last Saturday for Brent. There's a joy in serving the Lord. He didn't come to me after two or three hours on a Saturday afternoon and be like, man, I'm just so burned out. Why? Because he saw what he was doing as an act of worship. It's hard to get burned out when you're worshiping the Lord. Like, I'm just so burned out from worshiping God. Mm, then you're worshiping wrong. Because the more we worship, the, the, the more time should just fly. I, I know that burnout was kind of a popular thing leading up to 2020. We talked a lot about burnout. A lot of pastors came up and said, listen, I'm totally burned out. Because, and this was true in my life as well, and I'll tell you some of my burnout story in a minute. But it's, I think it's because we were working for the church and we weren't working for Jesus. There's a lot you can learn about burnout from Jesus. Just look at Jesus' ministry. Jesus never burned out, and here's why. Once a week, he took a full 24-hour Sabbath. 
from Friday evening to Saturday evening, Jesus and the disciples, maybe they took the occasional walk, maybe he would uh, preach, you know, he would uh, read the scroll in the synagogue. We know he healed a few people once in a while. But he didn't work on the Sabbath because that was part of Jewish law, and Jesus was a good Jew. So once a week, now by the way, he took one day off of work. He didn't take three young people. Like, I'm happy what they're doing in Sweden and Norway, but you live in Texas. We work hard here. Is that all right? One clap from an old guy. Young people are like, I'm tired. Young people are not going to come back to our church next week. <laughs> I love you. I'm trying to help you. So she's like, I break that word curse. Yes, you will come back to church. Number two, Jesus spent every morning with his Father in heaven. He didn't oversleep. He got up early and he spent time with Jesus. I spent time with the Father. He was Jesus. <laughs> Number three, because Jesus was a good Jew and God knew that his people would need rest, he would take vacation several times a year for like the tabernacles. They would take a whole week off. Passover, they'd take a week off. They would get together with their family. There was these extended periods of rest. Vacations. Now they were acts of worship, but God forced his people to rest by, by taking vacations. Number, I lost track. Four, he went to bed early. Why? Because there was no electricity. Common sense, right? The sun goes down, you light a candle, candle burns out, you go to bed. Which means he wasn't up late watching on screens until two o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. What were you doing last night? Oh, I was just flipping through TikTok. Just giving the Chinese more information. You guys know that Josie and I were at a meeting last year with the deputy director of the FBI, and they opened it up for Q&A, and somebody said, what's the threat about TikTok? And the deputy director of the FBI said TikTok is nothing more than an information gathering source for the Chinese government. And I don't have it in my home and my teenagers, teenage daughters don't have it in their phones. Just let you know what the number two guy at the FBI says about TikTok. Jesus wasn't up late watching Netflix. Jesus wasn't up late doing nothing. He went to bed early because that's what they did back then. Number five. Those of you that have been to Israel with us, how mountainous was Israel? Way more mountainous than you thought it was going to be. No cars. Only one time we have a record of Jesus using a donkey. So the rest of the time, JC and the boys were hoofing it. So it's like, Jesus and the disciples went to Nazareth. That's like a two-day walk uphill. In the desert, in the summer, in the heat. How come Jesus never burned out? Because he had rigorous exercise often in his life. Young people today are like, I'm tired. Oh, did you go to the gym? Oh no, I didn't do nothing. My wife is imploring me to stop picking on young people. I, I, the old guys love it. Jesus exercised often. Number, whatever's next. Jesus ate clean. Why? Because they didn't have any options. There were no preservatives. He ate fish and bread and vegetables, and that's about it. Maybe the occasional thing with honey. He had no refined sugars. 
He wasn't burned out because he wasn't putting junk in his body. Jesus loved honoring God. All day, every day, Jesus honored the Father. It brought him great joy to do so. He worked really hard, but it wasn't a stress on him or his body because he loved the Father so much, and he loved the Father's people. Jesus really loved people. That's why he came. Jesus was energized by ministering to people. Do you remember the story of the woman at the well in Samaria? Jesus and the disciples showed up super-duper hungry, and Jesus was like, y'all go on into town and get some food. I'm going to stay here and rest at the well. The Samaritan woman, who had been married five times, she was an adulterer, she was an immoral woman, sleeping with people outside of marriage. I know that that's hard for you to understand in our day and age, but she was having sex outside of the covenant of marriage. So Jesus begins to minister to her. You have to remember, men didn't speak to women in the Jewish culture, especially an unmarried woman, especially an immoral, adulterous woman. But Jesus has compassion on her, and he ministers to her, and she surrenders her life to Jesus. She puts her faith that Jesus is the Messiah. She returns home. The disciples come back with lunch, and Jesus says, I'm not hungry. I've already eaten. Why? He was just doing the work of the ministry, and he wasn't even hungry because it brought him such joy. He was so satisfied because he was serving people and serving God. He wasn't tired. He wasn't burned out. He was excited. Why? All of this can be summed up in this. Jesus didn't come to be king of the universe. He came to be a servant. Philippians chapter 2. In your relationship with one another, Uncommon Church, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, being in very nature, was God. But he didn't consider equality with God something that should be used to his own advantage. He came in the nature of a servant. Other translations say, in the nature of a slave. In human likeness, found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient, even obedient to death on a cross. Jesus, in spite of being king of the universe, took on the human nature of a servant, and he laid down his life as a living sacrifice. He didn't just lay down his life on the cross at the end. He laid down his life every day to serve people. So who am I not to lay my life down to serve him? Saved people, serve people. Let me just briefly tell you, because I've gone a little bit long on my story about my own burnout. I've been in ministry for almost 30 years now. And there's been seasons and times in my life where I've worked in the ministry and I have felt tired, I have felt stressed out, I have felt overwhelmed, I have been burned out. There's other times and seasons in my life in ministry where regardless of how much work I did, I have felt energized, I have felt excited, I have felt filled up by God's power and God's presence. And, and looking back on almost 30 years of ministry, I can tell you this. The amount of work or strenuous work I was doing for the Lord had nothing to do with my feelings of burnout. When I served the Lord from a place of humility, when I served the Lord from a place of being a sacrifice, when I served the Lord from everything I did being in worship, when I was pouring out, but then I was also eating my daily bread and drinking from the river of God, I was nourishing myself. I was giving out, but I was also taking in every day. I think it's impossible to burn out if you're living in a loving communion with Jesus. The only times I ever burned out is when I was giving and giving and giving and not resting. I was giving and giving and giving and not 
taking a Sabbath once a week, giving and giving and giving and not spending time in my Bible every day, when I was doing things not as an act of worship, but just as an act of service. That's when I burned out. I think it's actually impossible to burn out if you would see everything you do with an attitude like Cindy Gleghorn had, that, you, that everything you do would be an act of worship, that you would see everything the way Brent Beck was helping our sewers, that it would just be an act of worship. I'm not doing it for people, I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm loving people well. And I, I, if I'm giving out, I'm also receiving from the word of God. I'm also listening to sermons and podcasts and worship to continue to fill my soul. I think it's impossible to burn out if we have the right attitude and the right heart. Save people, serve people. It's not a drag to serve people. It's not a bother to serve people. It's an act of worship. It's a privilege to serve people. It's a privilege to worship. So something's happened in the church culture in America, in the West, since 2020. Because in 2020, we all retreated into our little personal cave. And we need to realize that when we're not serving God, just hiding in our house, it's actually hurting our worship. It's hurting our heart. It's hurting our soul. We're the ones that need to get back out of the cave and serve people well. And that we're the ones that need to realize that I need to get back to serving other people well. That it's my time to return to the Lord an act of worship in service. It's so easy to be selfish. Selfishness is so easy. Babies are selfish, toddlers are selfish, grown-ups are selfish. It's so easy because it's a part of our nature. But I don't want human nature, I want kingdom nature. I don't wanna be selfish, I wanna be selfless. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 16. Listen boys, if you're gonna follow me, you're gonna have to deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow me. Whoever would save his life, you're actually gonna lose it. But whoever loses his life, for Jesus' sake, oh, well, then you're going to find your purpose in life. What's it going to profit a man if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? Shall a man give in return for his soul? Take up your cross. We don't do a lot of executions these days, lethal injection, but it's done at midnight. You know, there might be a quick news flash, you know, so-and-so state lethal injected this murderer from 30 years ago. In the Roman day, look at the crucifixion. It was swift, it was public, it was immediate. This guy was guilty of a, of, of a horrible, heinous crime. Let's immediately take him outside, nail him to this wooden tree, and stand it up in front of the whole world to see. Jesus is like, hey, you wanna follow me? Praise the Lord. You're just going to have to die on a wooden cross every single day, be a living sacrifice, because dead people don't complain about having to serve on a dream team. I'm, I don't want to get hostile because I'm not feeling hostile. When I, when I told Josie what I was talking about, she's like, just be careful that you're not like mad at people. I'm not. I, I, honestly, I'm not. I'm just going to... It's like sending you a birthday invitation. You ever get like an invitation, and I haven't gotten this invitation, you're welcome to invite me to this. Destination wedding in some tropical, beautiful place. All expenses paid. I have not yet had that invitation. But if I get that invitation to have the beautiful, tropical, Bora Bora, you know, Beach vacation, all expenses paid. Just join us for our wedding. Here is your invitation. I'm going to say yes. 
When you get the invitation to serve as an usher, to serve on the tech team, to serve in kids, to serve in prayer, to serve in the parking lot, to serve in welcome, wherever, it is an invitation to something amazing, worshiping Jesus. And it should be like, I can't believe it. I got scheduled to run a camera. I'm so excited. And when you show up, Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. I get to come early. I get to stay late. I get to worship Jesus. I'm so excited. I'm responding to the invitation. The parking lot team in August when it's 105, they're going to be out there singing and dancing because they're so excited to worship Jesus. Why? Because saved people serve people. So here's my invitation to you. Go through growth track, join a dream team, and start serving. Lead a U group, go on a missions trip, just find a reason to serve. Now, I'll also say this. We had a, a, a newborn mom, like, you know how your first newborn baby, you got that special newborn baby look on your face? She's like, Pastor, I feel that God's called us to this church, but is it okay if I don't serve on a team right now? I'm like, baby girl, that's fine. Like, there are seasons in your life you've had your first baby. Now, your third baby, you know, just pop it out, put it on your hip, and you're like, all right, let's get back to work. But your first baby, I understand. I understand. Maybe you've had a major surgery. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Like, there are times and seasons where it's, it's probably best for you not to serve. But some of you took a break in 2020, and I'm telling you, break time is over, and it's time to get back to work. Some of you took off when you had your first kid. Your kid is in college now. It's time to sign up for a dream team. They're going to be okay. And let us all have a Cindy Gleghorn attitude. Let us all, when we get a text from our team leader, hey, something came up, so-and-so, you know, got sick. Can you cover in this dream team? You should be like, of course I can. And thank you for asking. There should be tears of joy running down your face every time your phone plings that you got scheduled to serve because of how excited you are. Why? Because it's an act of worship. It's not a have to, it's a want to. I want to serve. Please put me in coach. I don't want to sit in the stands. I want to get down there and have a full contact relationship with Jesus. I am inviting you. It is an invitation into the presence of the Lord, singing and dancing and shouting as you serve the Lord. This is how the kingdom works. We worship the king by serving him. We worship the king by serving him. Not exclusively. It's not one or the other. It's both. But part of our worship is to serve. So I only want you to serve, though, if you have a right attitude. I only want you to serve if like, you're excited. If you have that like, heart, the tears streaming on your face, like, thank you that I get to serve today. And a lot of times, it's just we that need to align ourselves with the will of God. We need to, to realize that, that God has a call on your life. Know God, grow strong, and do what you've been created to do. Save people, serve people. And at Uncommon Church, every member is a minister of the gospel. So wherever you go, pray for people. Wherever you go, prophesy over people. Wherever you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You don't have to call the pastors to heal the sick at work. You're the minister of the gospel. You have the power that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. Why don't you let some of that leak out? Together, if we all really have this heart of service, we could see God move and change our nation, change this city, 
and change our hearts and families. So I double dog dare you. And I, you know what? I, I, I don't want any of our staff or any of our dream team leaders to ever apologize for asking you to serve. Hey, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. I'm giving you an invitation to serve and it's amazing. And if your attitude's not right, that is not on me. That's on you. Hop up on your feet, let's pray. Young people, I love you. <laughs> I do say this, though. I, I ride young people a little bit harder because you guys have pretty thick skin. Well, you used to have thick skin. I don't know if you still do. And I wish somebody to kick my rear a little bit more. When I was younger and looking, so this is the sound of an old guy. Looking back, I wish somebody would have kicked my rear a little more and told me a little bit more truth. So in 20 years, you'll thank me. Today, not so much. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you'll serve him as a servant and not a son or a daughter. So what's the point of working hard for Jesus if you don't know him and love him? What's the point of, of pouring out in ministry if you're not also receiving from him, receiving from his presence, receiving from daily bread, receiving that he would nourish your soul, that you would actually be stronger after serving than before. Everything is predicated on knowing Jesus, loving him, having a real relationship with God. Some of you might be like, well, no prodigals came and prayed with Austin. That's terrible. No, it's not. That's on you. If your heart was pounding out of your chest and you know that you've been running from God and you know that, that, that God stopped everything in the middle of worship for me to challenge you and you didn't respond, that's on you, bro. I also wonder how many times Austin sat through certain, see, Austin used to sit back there. He was, like, when God was first calling him back, he didn't sit on the front row back then. He was the back row guy. And then he was, like, the second from the back row guy. And then he was the third from the back row guy. And now he's the sitting on his face worshiping Jesus from the front row guy. That's what God was like, dude, come on, come on. So I, I want to just circle back to you. If you've been running from God, stop running. Like you can run from the back row to the front row. You, you can run from far from God to his presence. He's not mad at you. You think you're running from God. God's running right behind you, chasing you down. Just stop running. Turn around. He's right there with his arms open wide. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Do we have something we can, it sounds more spiritual if we play. Okay, good. <laughs> if you need to pray and get right with God for the first time or the first time in a long time, today is your day. I'd like our prayer team to come down and if you notice, we shifted our service a little bit. Other than having to stack chairs at the end in groups of seven, we've done everything. We've communioned, we've offeringed, we've announced. So now, we're just going to minister to the Lord and worship. And if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. And we're not, we don't need to be in a hurry. And if you need to slip out, you're welcome to quietly slip out while we continue to, to worship. We continue to minister to the Lord and we continue to minister to one another. Today, it's a day unlike any other. Because it's easy to just do our job and go to school and do life every day. But it takes an act of our will to stop, 
and fix all of our love and attention on Jesus. We lift our hearts, we lift our voices, we lift our hands, and we worship Him. So if you need prayer this morning, I want you to come and get prayer with one of our prayer team. If there's pain in your body, that's not God's will for you. It's not God's best for you. It's part of the curse, and you have been redeemed from the curse in the blood and name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and there's a situation, a financial decision, last week I felt strongly that there were some people that needed to make some big decisions in their life. And if you didn't get prayer, I want you to come and pray. Let us pray for you. Let us pray that God would speak to your heart and that you would know the will of God for your life. We just want to encourage you in prayer. If you're not right with Jesus, we want to pray with you. We want you to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus so that he can begin to fill you with joy, fill you with purpose, fill you with hope. So if you've never responded to the Lord, if you've never prayed that prayer, or if it's been a minute, you've been running from God, and you need to pray that prayer again. We want to lead you and help you and pray that prayer with you. In fact, why don't you just close your eyes, bow your head. Father in heaven, we need you so desperately. We've, we just come here to surrender our lives to you. We want to serve you as an act of worship. We want to have a great attitude. We want to, to just bless your people and bless your holy name. But Lord, it all starts with knowing you. So Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you the way they should, I pray God that you'd give them the boldness, the courage to get right with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're not right with God, but you wanna pray and get right with God, I can help you, I can lead you in that prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you. If you're here this morning and you need to pray that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, today's my day. I need to pray that prayer and get right with God. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Is there anybody here this morning that's you? You're like, crud, I got to get right with God. Okay, I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Good, 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 good. Yay, God. Hey, for the sake of these two, if you believe this in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life and your love. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.